Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. This is the wife Betsy, the two children upstairs in our children's ministry. Uh, I met Corey, uh, I don't know, five years ago, I guess, or something, uh, through the church planning team. Uh, he does what I do uh, for the Charlotte-Mecklenburg area. So that means there's, I'll just tell you guys, there are more church plants in Charlotte-Mecklenburg than there are in Caldwell like, and in Catawba and Morganton and, and places like that that I did. Here. So he's a busy man. Uh, but he uh, had planted a church uh, there and had uh, got that church to the point that he found someone inside the church that he kind of mentored to become a pastor, and he's working toward uh, planning a new church now. He'll probably say a little bit about that in a moment. But uh, part of our Easter offering next week, our goal is $10,000. Uh, 70% of that uh, will go to help support missions in North America. And then 30% of that will also be help support missions in North America, but it will be specifically through Sojourner Church. Uh, and we'll be trying to, to bless them and, and, and partner with them some. So, uh, uh, I'm going to pray for him, and right after I do, if you would kind of give him a day three welcome to the stage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you today. We thank you, Lord, that you did uh, allow the weather to go away. Uh, Father, we thank you for what this next week represents, for all that you did for us in your Son through Christ. Um, Father, help us to, uh, to be energetic this week. Help us to reach out to people and invite them to come, that they may know the same uh, living Lord that we know. Uh, Father, I thank you for Corey. Uh, Father, I just pray you bless him today. Use him to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys will welcome. Different I looked from them. 
they loved me. Amen. They loved me. It's because of that little Baptist church that I get to stand on stage like this today. So I just want to encourage you guys with that because you guys don't know who that is in this place right now. Or who that will be that will come in these doors next week. And so the power of your love can change eternity. So before we start this morning, um, I want to encourage you guys with a verse. It's not necessarily my, my preaching verse, but... I want to talk about this verse. It comes out of Mark chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. And it says this, that no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and the worst tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the old wine will burst from those skins and the new wine is destroyed. And so are the skins. But the new wine... Is for fresh wine skins. And so today I want to talk to you guys about the proper brewing techniques of wine. Not at all. Not a chance. Not a chance. But what God is trying to say here is that He wants to do something new in us. Do you believe that? Yes or no? God wants to do something new inside of all of us today. And if we bring our old wine skins into church this morning, then He cannot pour something new inside of us. And so as we get ready to pray... I want us to ask God, give me a new spirit. I didn't come today for you to check off a box. I came to hear a word. I don't want information. I want transformation. And so if you have that spirit in your heart this morning, would you go to the Lord and pray? I'm going to pray, but I want you to pray silently and all with me. God, speak to me. Let me hear what you want to say to me, Father, this morning. If you'll do that, let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come before you. With a thankful heart, with an expectation, with a hope and a desire that, God, you have a word reserved for each and every one of us. Believing, God, that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut and divide our hearts, Lord Jesus. We believe that. We stand on that. We know your word is transformational. We know that you are the word. And because of that, we worship you. Now, Father, as we open up this word, I pray for every single one of us, myself included. May my eyes, my ears, my heart be attentive to what you want to say, that I may love these people well, care for what you have for them, and pour myself out. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we sang that song, and... Anybody's first time hearing that song? Be honest. I heard that song for the first time like a month ago. And I was wrecked. I was wrecked. And it says, you know, uh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. And I couldn't earn it. And I, I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. No lie you won't tear down coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down coming after me. Amen. God is willing to do whatever it takes. To meet us where we are. Even if it means using us. Especially since it means 
using us. I was in the conference last week, and, and, or not last week, but last month, and I was listening to this guy from India, and India holds a special place for me because I got on one knee on a beach in India, a place called Kanakapur. That's not how you say it, is it? But anyway, it's close enough that you guys will know. I got on one knee, and I asked this beautiful young lady to marry me. In, in this incredibly exotic land, as I watched all these different gods and all these different people worship these gods. And so this missionary in India comes back and he's telling us, he says, he was so glad whenever he was growing up in the church because every single time he heard the word missionary, he thought of white people. He said because the only missionaries he had ever seen were white people. And so he thanked God that he was brown so that he never, ever had to be a missionary, ever. (laughs) And how many of you are honest if you say to yourselves, thank God God didn't call me to be a missionary, right? Right? Man, I'm going to wreck you today. Because God did call you to be a missionary. Matter of fact, this guy said this. He says either all of us are missionaries or none of us are missionaries. He said that when you read the Bible, you never, ever, ever see the word missionary at all. The only person that you see is you see Jesus, you see the apostles, the preachers, the prophets, the teachers, and the evangelists. Never, ever, ever do you see the, 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 what we would call the office, the job of missionary, because missionary simply means those who have been sent. Say that with me. Sent. And that's all of us. Amen. Every single one of us have been called by the Great Commission of Christ to G-O. For those of you guys who grew up in public school, that says go. I went to public school too. I got a 614 on my SAT for spelling my name right and getting one question. So congratulations to me. All of us have been called to go. Every single one of us are missionaries. And so my heart's desire is this as this phrase has wrecked me. That this phrase will wreck you. And that when you leave these doors today, that you will be changed. Not by me, but by the power of a loving God who recklessly loved each and every single one of us. So much that he has called us and to go love recklessly. The reckless love that God has shown us. We are to now go and show to a world that is dying and going to H-E-double hockey stick. Did I get an amen? Amen. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this. Anybody know this guy? Amen. The prince of preachers. Amen. Priest in front of 10,000, the first mega church that we ever know of. He said this to his students. Either every single Christian as an imposter or a missionary. Either every single Christian, that's not the person beside you, that's not the person in front of you, that's not the person that I'm pointing at. It is the three fingers that's pointing at. All of us, including myself, especially myself, every single one of us would identify ourselves as Christians. We're either a missionary or an imposter. And only you know, and God, where you stand today. For too long, everybody say too long. Too long. For too long we have thought this, that missionaries are people who cross the sea. Instead, missionaries are simply people who have seen the cross of Christ. 
No longer do missionaries only cross the sea. Now realize, $7,000 you guys are given to Annie Armstrong, North American missionaries all over North America. I'm sure you guys give light and moon. These things are needed, so please do not hear me throwing shade on that. I'm not trying to hate on that at all. I'm, tri- I'm simply trying to call out the greatest missionary force that is in the church, and that is us sitting on the pews. And I want to do it through the lens of Scripture in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12. We're going to read a story about Jesus and four guys. And it goes a little bit like this. Now, once upon a time, I was going to do the Prince of Prince of Bel-Air, but then I couldn't figure out the lyrics. And so, just awkward anyway. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came. It doesn't even tell us who they are. These four guys don't even get a name. It just says they. I find that super interesting. Bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof. I like to say they removed the obstacle. Now I want you to picture this scene. Jesus comes home from doing ministry. He does what every good preacher does after Sunday at 1232 o'clock. He turns his phone off. He tries to get a nap. You know what happens? It never works. They just keep calling. They just keep coming. And so here they come. And so Jesus still takes the opportunity to teach. He says he preaches the word to them. And it says the room was so full that there was no room. Now this isn't your modern day 1250 square foot house. This place is a huge compound. And because it's a huge compound, you've got to imagine there's a couple hundred people there. And so these guys are willing to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus, so much so that they remove the obstacle. That's a key point. I want you to hold on to that note. And when Jesus saw their faith, this is verse 5, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Dude, I didn't come here to get my sins forgiven. I want to walk. Yeah. And it says that he rewarded their faith, not the faith of the paralytic, but the faith of the people who brought him. And Jesus did not heal him immediately. He forgave his sins. That's interesting to me. Now, some of the scribes, I like to call them haterade drinkers. You guys know what haterade is? I just want to know that speaking your good. Now, some of these scribes who were sitting there questioned in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? They're trying to stir up dissension. They're trying to cause trouble. Because any time a move of God happens, there's always got to be somebody who tries to cause division. It says, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? And immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit, they thus question within themselves, saying to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and take up your bed and walk. But that you may know, know, know 
not think, but know that the Son of Man has authority. I like the word power, dunamis, on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, now I say to you, rise, take up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were amazed and glorified, saying, God, we have never seen anything like this. And that's my first point, church, at day three. My prayer for you as I sat out here in the parking lot at nine o'clock last night when the uh, whatever the stuff is called, rain, sleet, snow, ice, whatever was falling was that God would do an amazing work in this church, not just today, but next week, and the week after that, 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 so that every single person in this church looks at what is happening, and not says to Pastor Lynn, but says to Jesus Christ, who has authority to forgive sins and heal the sick, we have never seen anything like this. That is my prayer. That is my hope. That's my desire. That's why I sat and I prayed, God, do something amazing. And I pray it not just for this church. I pray it for the church that I'm planting. I pray it for every single church that the people get so excited about what God is doing. They cannot help but to tell people about what Jesus is doing. So the first point that I have with you guys is simply a phrase and the phrase is, what if? In Andy Stanley's books on preaching, Andy Stanley is a famous preacher. If you guys have ever heard of Charles Stanley, this is Charles Stanley's son. If you've never heard of Charles Stanley, he's Andy Stanley's dad. So it depends on what generation you grew up in. But Andy Stanley writes this book and he says that when you're preaching, if you want the people to, to, to even begin to think about Apply what you have done at the end of your sermon. Say something like this. What would it look like if you applied this? And so I felt like instead of doing this at the end of the sermon, I want to do it at the beginning of the sermon so that we can begin to think, what would it look like if today every single person in this auditorium or whoever is watching would leave this place with a authentic desire to leave and to live a missionary lifestyle. What would it look like if we authentically left this place asking God, I no longer believe that missionaries are simply people who cross the sea. But now I believe that missionaries are people who see the cross. And God, I am one of those who have seen the cross. I have been loved by your reckless love. And because of that reckless love, I want to love with a reckless love. What if every single one of us would do that? And here's what I believe would happen. I believe that if every single one of us had this desire and turn that desire into prayer that those of us who are deeply searching for purpose will find it. Yeah. I believe that those of us who have people around us or maybe even ourselves who have marriages who are in trouble would find healing restoration. 
I believe that we, if we leave this place and see, seek, not see, but seek the face of God. They say that if people see smoke, there's often fire. And wherever smoke is, people start running to. I believe that people would start to see smoke because the fire of the Holy Spirit would not just be here, but it would be in the places that you live, your homes. What if, I know some of you guys have lost family members. I know them. They're not here with you today. You probably had a fight, some of you had a fight with somebody today. You begged them to come to church. They're not here. What if they were sitting here? And not just sitting here out of obligation, but they're holding your hand beside you and singing with their hands raised. Oh, the never-ending, reckless love of God. What if we took it to our workplaces and those people that we cannot stand? Because let's be honest, how many of you guys do not want to go to work tomorrow? Come on, come on, come on. Because those people are there. You know those people, right? Who knows those people? Maybe it's school you don't want to go to tomorrow because of those people. What if those people turn into your biggest friends? What if those people who are the ones who hate on you the most, who you cannot stand, are the ones running to you saying, thank you for being real. Thank you for loving me despite my hatred towards you. Thank you. What if it's the places where you go? Guys, I love the gym. Is there any people that love the gym or have a place that they love to go to to hang out or, you know, go watch football, go play basketball, anything like that? The place where I love to go and because and, and, I got diabetes a couple years back and now I've gotten into the gym because of it, it's become a mission field for me. I love to go to the gym to lift, yes, but also love the gym because I love to fish. I love it. I love it. Why if we left this room? I just cannot. It's not my job to persuade. It's the Holy Spirit's job to persuade. But dang, if I can't say it, what would happen? And so here we are in Mark chapter 2, and you see these four guys, and we're talking about what would happen, what if, and the, la- the next thing, and not the last thing, and I want to tempt you guys there. Yeah, I got like. Lynn says he preaches for an hour. Amen. Amen. So that means I got an hour and 15 minutes before you guys start getting mad because I ain't coming back, at least for a while. What if we adopted the second point that I have that says, whatever the cost? In this passage, we see that when they came, this is verse number three, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. See, I, I went to Israel two years ago. As a matter of fact, it started popping up on my newsfeed this week of when I was baptizing that guy in the Jordan River. And one of the things that, that, I, that I got to do was go visit an old school Nazarene town uh, uh, in Capernaum, nonetheless, and, and look at a house and look at how many stories were there and, and how they had set wood slats on it and how they had hay here and wood slats there and hay there again. And I'm thinking, what kind of 
obstacle it was for these guys to tear down the roof. These aren't banana leaves, guys. This is something that took them time. And if I was the owner of the house, to be quite honest, I would not be extremely happy. (laughs) Somebody started tearing up my roof. But they did whatever it took to get this man to Jesus. And so my thing about this to us is, will we, will we, will we adopt this kind of attitude? Will we seek to remove obstacles instead of continuing to put them up? It said it was the crowd who was hearing the word of God that was the obstacle. Sometimes if we don't look inside of ourselves and think, man, we can be the obstacle. I don't know how. I don't know how that applies to you. I don't know how it applies to me because sometimes I live the life of a hypocrite. Sometimes I say one thing and I live another. And if I don't remove my obstacle, me being the stumbling block, then shame on me. Maybe it could be something else. But will we, will we adopt an attitude that says, whatever the cost, whatever the cost, these men believe. Somebody say believe. Believe. These men believe. You ever ever gone home and you just know something's going to be there waiting for you? Or go to work and and know that something's going to happen? And you, you, just, you feel it in your spirit. And you have this uber confidence. Like instead of walking like this, you walk like this. Instead of doing this, you have a little swag in your step. These men knew in their heart of hearts, they believed with everything that they knew that this guy was sick. And if they could do whatever it took, If they could just get him to Jesus, whatever the cost, that Jesus was going to change the situation. And please, I want to talk about this, about your friends and your neighbors and all that stuff like that. But I feel propelled by the Spirit of God to say that to us today. Will you believe for whatever's going on in your life today, your hurt, your fear, your sin, that if you can just get to Jesus... If you can just make your way through the obstacle, that if you can just lay yourself down, that He can make it better. Will you just believe? Believe changes everything. Believe makes me have the attitude that I can make it through. That I can do whatever it costs. That I will adopt this attitude of what if? Believe. Bless Him, Lord. You may say, well, you're a preacher. Look at you. Screaming up there. Spit. <laughs> I didn't go to school. I'm not an evangelist. I've got what I think is beautiful. You may think it's horrible. That's okay. Because so many of them are afraid of saying the wrong thing. We're like, a, like, like we're doing heart surgery. On somebody's spirit, right? Like if I, if I say something wrong, I'm going to send them to hell. If I, I don't know the right answer. And so that fear blinds us from doing anything. 
And I just got this little phrase. It may not be theologically correct. It may not be, you know, 100% along those lines. It doesn't come straight from the Bible. But I see it over and over in Scripture. See, stop trying to be the doctor. Stop trying to be the doctor. And be the person that just carries the man. All these guys did was carry the man. All they did was pick them up. They tore through the roof and they lowered them to Jesus. Jesus is the one who does the saving. Jesus is the one who does the ministry. The Holy Spirit does the work. And you say, well, I'm a hypocrite. Everybody's a hypocrite. If you know you're a hypocrite, then repent. And start over. And when you tell them about Jesus, you say, listen, I'm not living the right, the best on this, but I know Jesus. I know he heals. I know that if you just go to him on this, that he will make the difference. Because this. For whatever reason, we have professionalized ministry. And what I mean by that is, then we think that the pastor has to do it all. Men's job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's what men's job is, to equip us to go and do the work of the ministry. And so there was this guy by the name of William Booth. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. I know you guys have never heard of that before, right? It's not it's a global enterprise or anything like that. But William Booth said this in the early 1800s. Most Christians would love to send their recruits to Bible college for five years. And that's true. That's why I call seminary cemetery. But most Christians would love to send their recruits to Bible college for five years. And he says this. I would love to send them to hell for five minutes. Most Christians would love to send their recruits to Bible college to learn all more that they can learn, to gain all the doctrines. And I'm not saying these are bad things. They are great things. But he's saying, I would much rather send them to hell to gain a knowledge of what despair is there so that we as an army would have compassion and we would be willing to risk whatever it took because we've seen it, we've smelt it, we've heard the screams. We know the despair. We see despair here, but because we can close our eyes, we pretend like it's not there. So church, missionary starts with desire. How? Starts with heart. I think one of the points in the sermon that I, that I wanted to talk about was guilt. And I, it's, it can be easy to get up here and, and guilt us into being evangelists. And guilt us like, oh man, it's Easter next weekend. I need to go invite my friend. This has nothing to do with Easter. This is lifestyle. I'm not trying to guilt you. Please do not feel guilt because guilt lasts for like a week. And guilt gets you through uh, through lunch when you give the, 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 the server a 20% tip instead of 12. I'm talking 
about an entire lifestyle that would change. About a heart and a desire to go from one way of living to an extreme opposite way of living. I'm talking about purpose. I'm talking about meaning. I'm not talking about duty. I'm not talking about checking off a box. I'm talking about unity. What unity could be within the church that when the church becomes a hospital for sinners instead of a museum for saints? So the last thing that I have to bring up, which is going to seem like a super awkward transition, but it'll make sense in the end, is this little device right here. I'm sure you've seen one of these before. You might even have one. You got you, you have this? You have what, what's it called? A leash. A cell phone. What 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 would you say? A leash. A leash. Yeah. If you have a, a cell phone, would you just like raise your hand? Now, you know, when I got cell phone back in the nineties, that's what it was. It was a cell phone. I didn't even know what texting was. The first game that I got was Centipede. Does anybody know that? Centipede? Some of you guys are playing it now as something retro. Like that was like that was exciting for me. Atari. Atari. <laughs> and so and so this thing has come a long way. So how do you guys use this thing as a navigation system? You used to have like one of those garner things, but now you just have a phone. You don't use it. Raise your hands. Ah, don't be ashamed. Okay. How do you guys use it because uh, you just like to scroll? Like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. let's be honest. You Facebook stalk like nobody else. Who's going to be honest? <laughs> no, like I got 12% of the congregation being honest. The other 8% of you are lying and you need to repent right now. <laughs> but, it, but it could be a complete waste of time. How do you guys use it to play games? Now, now be honest here. How many of you guys use it as a, uh, a toilet... Um, distraction. So, so, so the point of this is this: is that this thing? How do you guys actually use it as a phone? I mean, it's become something way past its intention. It's an incredible device that connects literally billions of people together in a way that has never before. I can do my banking on my phone. I don't have to go to the bank anymore. I can scan my check and put it in my account like that. I can play. I can do almost anything. I watch movies. I can. I can't even talk about all the things I can do. But guess what? This week I was meeting with our core group. You know, we were meeting in an apartment complex. We're trying to reach this apartment complex and. You know, our goal is to reach as many people in a certain region that we have. And we're, we're meeting there, and we always try to start off with a little game. And this, this week's game was called Desert Island. You ever heard of that game? Never heard of that game? So the game Desert Island goes like this. You're trapped on a desert island. You're Gilligan. Yeah. Did I age myself there? <laughs> Anybody know Gilligan? Nobody responded. Okay, 12 of you know Gilligan. Okay. We're on a desert island. Never mind. Desert Island, you can bring one thing for survival. And one guy talks about he he wants to bring like a big machete. That makes sense in case the natives want to come kill you. You Then you can build stuff. And another guy says, I love to fish. I want to bring a a fishing line. Then we have a spiritual one because we're in a group and we're all Christians or most of us are. She says, well, I'll bring my Bible, right? And then we have this one guy says, well, I'm going to bring my phone. And that's great. For 12 hours, right? Because guess what? There's no electricity. 
And so the third point that I have for us today is that if we're not plugged into the power of Jesus Christ, this is for naught. This is worthless. This is absolutely meaningless. The scripture says this. And immediately Jesus perceived him in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or rise and take up your bed and walk? You see what Jesus is saying is I have the power to do both. I have the power to raise the dead. I have the power to heal the sick. And that matters to you today, one million percent. Because some of you have infirmities going on in your life. They may be physical infirmities. They may be spiritual infirmities. Whatever. But we have things that we need the Savior. And He is freely giving us an opportunity to plug into His power. My question, and it goes back to God doing a new thing in us, going all the way back to the end, are we going to continue to try to pour new wine into old skins? Are we going to continue to try to pretend like we got it all together? Are we going to continue to pretend like we're perfect? We're not. If we were, there would be no need of this Savior. Our best weapon is our honesty, our authenticity, that we are imperfect. And because of our imperfection, Jesus makes us whole. Today. I have to one billion percent emphatically. this missionary is not something that we outsource missionary is who we are Charles Haddon Spurgeon says either we are all imposters or all missionaries you do the math and so today the first thing that I desire is that all of us myself included because as I told the first crew, like I wear this necklace around my neck, not because I served in a, the, the, the U.S. military, but because I serve in God's military. Amen. And this thing says that I am a missionary. Mark chapter 2, verse 17, which is a verse that means so much to me. But it's a reminder to me that when I get inside myself, because believe me, I get inside myself. I get incredibly selfish. I get incredibly hypocritical. I would, you would be surprised at some of the things that I'm capable of. But I need to be reminded that my life's calling is to serve God as a missionary in whatever capacity that he would have. And so my ask today is that you would leave this place with that desire. 
The second thing that I'm going to ask is, as Linda said, I got one in my pocket. Is that all of us, not some of us, but all of us know somebody who's far from God. All of us know someone who is far from God. And so right now in this moment, I want you to picture that person. Put that person's picture in your face, in your mind, not your face, but put that person's face in your mind. Sorry, I got to myself. And I want you to think, how can I bring them to church? I, I did in the first service, I'll do it again. It goes like this. What's your name, brother? Joe. Joe, you stand up for me? Joe, I want you to pretend that we've worked together for 10 years. We've had a thousand conversations. And listen, the way that we invite somebody to church isn't through a text message, it isn't through a phone call. If that's all you got, that's better than nothing. But the way is that I look at Joe and say, Joe, man, we've worked together for 10 years. And next week is Easter. And I know we've had a lot of conversations and I know that you don't go to church. Would you please come with me? church next weekend. Now, 8.7 out of 10 times, don't ask me where I get the point seven, but that's the statistic, okay? That Joe will say yes. Because people will respond to a personal invitation, especially when you've invested in them relationally. There's this law of deposit and withdrawals. If you made enough deposits in somebody's life, you can make a withdrawal. And that withdrawal is, hey, I want you to come. And I need to see, see this intense look that I got with Joe? Like, my eyes are this big with Joe. It means tells him, I mean this. It's not that, hey, dude, if you, if you think about it, like, um, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Joe. It's that belief. And third, and certainly not least, is this. I know this one applies to almost 70%. Because it's easy to get into the habit of coming to church, but forsaking God. That we need the power of God back in our lives. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I come before you. And I thank you for this incredible opportunity and I praise you for these incredible people who have dealt with me and put up with me. More than anything, God, I pray that I've honored you. I pray that uh, I've brought your name fame and glory. I pray that I've uh, honored Pastor Lynn in his pulpit. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to, to, to preach in his pulpit this morning. Now, God, we, we come to this part of the ceremony or this, this, this service whatever it is that we want to call it right now, where it's decision time. God, it's the whole point of why we're here today. Like, what are we going to do with what we just heard? Is it simply just going to be another message that, that we maybe shake the preacher's hand and say, good job? Or is it something that I'm honestly going to apply to my life? And so Church of Jesus Christ at day three, there's three things that I said to you. And the first thing was this, is that do you desire become a missionary. Not a missionary that crosses the sea. Maybe God asked you to do that. But somebody who simply sees the cross. That today, that you want to start a journey. I'm not saying that you're going to be the best missionary. I'm not going to say that you're Annie Armstrong tomorrow or Lottie Moon. But that you just desire 
God to use you in the people and the places where you live, work, and play. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? I want to pray for you. Raise them high. Like, if that's you today, I desire God to use me. Use me. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single one of the hands. And maybe, God, even the ones who maybe are afraid to raise that hand because they don't know what it means. But, Lord Jesus, I come on behalf of you and I ask that you would empower each and every one of these folks that have a desire to impact their world for eternity through their lives. God, I pray that you would protect them from the lives of the enemy because I know that as soon as you take a step out, Father, that the enemy wants to attack. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So, Lord Jesus, I pray against that. And I pray, Lord, that as we go to the third point, that they'll continue to plug into that source. So thank you, God, for that. If God has laid somebody on your heart, that you know somebody in your life, that you can walk up to, you've built a relationship with, that you've known them for six months, a year, two years, and you've had talks about faith, or maybe you haven't had talks of faith, but you can walk up to that person and say, listen, I know you don't go to church, but I pray next week's Easter, here's a book about Jesus, about his life, about his miracles, about who he was and how he died. Would you take this and read this? But at the same time, would you accompany to my church next week? I really, really, really want you there. God has put somebody on your heart that you can do that with. Would you raise your hand this morning? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, I pray for these folks that as they have their hands raised about God, this person or these persons that, that they have been, that's been laid on their heart. God, I pray first and foremost for their boldness to step out and to fulfill what you have led on their hearts. But God, second most is that I pray for receptivity from these people that they are going to go and talk to. God, we pray for their heart condition. God, we pray for a yes. And we pray, Lord Jesus, as they come into the church that they're treated like I was treated back at my Baptist church, that they were loved and loved well. Pray, God, that ultimately, whether it's next week or after weeks or months or years, God, whatever it takes, God, that we would see souls saved. And Father, I, the last thing that, that I want to come before you guys is, man, let's just be honest in the room today. That we know the Savior, but maybe we've walked away from the source. Church, we cannot be the people of God without God. We can go out as His representatives, but we will not have power if we don't have God. And we will never be able to say, what kind of work is going on here? Oh my gosh, I cannot believe what's going on unless we all covenant together that we will plug into the source of the power of the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Asking His Holy Spirit to dwell within us, not today, not tomorrow, but forevermore. Every single day, waking up and saying, God, make me a missionary. God, show me who you want me to invest in today. God, I want to love you. I want to serve you. I want to be loved by you. If you know that's you today, that you love God, but you're not loving God, 
that you've got the Savior, but you need the source, would you please raise your hand? Let me pray for you. That you're saying, hey, I've walked away, but I need to plug back in. Come on. Come on. Raise that hand high. Don't be ashamed of saying it to me. You're saying it to the Savior. You're making a confession to God, not a confession to Corey. Corey does not matter. You and God matter. So make that confession to Him. And so, Lord, on behalf of these people, God, God, I pray that you would infuse yourself into them now. Make yourself known now. God, be like those fast battery packs that charge us from zero to 100% now. God, as we sing this worship song, God, let us all worship in spirit and in truth. God, let us come together in unity knowing that we serve a God who raises the dead. And we are living examples because we were once dead in our sins and our trespasses, but you have made us alive in Jesus Christ. And God, I am the chief of all sinners and I'm thankful that you have risen me from the dead, Lord. So Father, today we worship We thank you for the decisions that have been made. We pray for those who are on the fence. God, those who just, who wanted to do something but they couldn't quite bring themselves to do it. That the altar is open now. And the altar is open always. God, just because you didn't make a decision here doesn't mean you can't make a decision beside your bed tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.